on the virtual Bible study tonight, we're going to talk about an important part of our worship, the Lord's Supper. We want to talk about what we do when we observe the Lord's Supper, but we also want to spend some time talking about what should be going on in our minds as we were taking the Lord's Supper. We're going to get to that study right after this. Join us for the virtual Bible study. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and this is the virtual bible study for thursday night uh, uh, november we're in november it's now november 3rd thursday night november 3rd 2022 my name is greg gwynn joining me tonight on the virtual bible study josh mccord josh welcome hey greg good to be here and our regular technician Kyle Barnes is behind the board. It's, it's good to be here. Thanks for being here, Kyle. Uh, so we always, Josh, we always trying to come up with something important and interesting to talk about on the virtual Bible study. And you actually came up with this idea that I thought was really good to talk, uh, to concentrate especially on the kind of things that should be going on in our minds as we partake of the Lord's Supper. You know, uh, in John four twenty four, Jesus said God is a spirit they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth it's not enough just to be doing things in a correct manner it's also necessary to be doing things with a correct heart uh, so uh, that would apply to all elements of our worship but it certainly applies to the Lord's Supper yeah I think the Lord's Supper is especially challenging because we're, we're focused obviously it's important and I think if you're a Christian you understand the importance you know it's important but to have our minds focused I think I think we've got to work at that it's not just gonna uh, you know happen without trying and focusing and we have to our minds gonna be easy to wonder and so we have to we have to bring it back in we're doing something really important here and so yeah I was just thinking about partaking the Lord's Supper and how to get our mind focused and directed while we're doing that you know that's uh, it, it's so easy especially if you've been a Christian for a number of years and you've gone through these processes many times it's easy to let your mind water you, you can let your mind water while you're mm-hmm. singing you can be singing the words and not thinking at all about what you're doing right especially some of the old familiar songs we can sing them by heart we, we can say the words without even hardly reading them and 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 so we're just going through the motions we're not thinking same is certainly true during for instance the sermon uh, it, it's easy to let your mind wander if the speaker's not doing his job very well especially it's easy to let your mind wander yeah uh but I, I think maybe one of the, the most critical elements of worship in regards to controlling your thoughts is the Lord's Supper. I agree. And this is something that from the outside you may not be able to tell one way or another, yeah. you know, if a person is sitting there. But if their mind uh, isn't focused, then they're, they're wasting their time and from God's perspective and yeah. as far as that act of worship goes. So tonight we titled our study, Lord's Supper, Thoughts and Actions. I sent out these questions to our update list earlier today. Get on our list if you're not. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Number one, what outward things are absolutely essential in the observance of the Lord's Supper? In other words, in the way that we do it. What things must be done in order for it to be right? But then I ask as a follow-up that, what, what are some things in regards to our outward observance of the Lord's Supper that would be incidental in nature? And we may have to explain what we mean by that. Number two, concerning our hearts and minds as we partake. First, what are some appropriate things to have on our mind when partaking the Lord's Supper? And secondly, what are some inappropriate things to be thinking about during the Lord's Supper? And then, number three, what's the Lord's Supper designed to memorialize? Specifically, are we, as we often hear men say, remembering the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord? And then finally, does the Lord's return have any part to play in the Lord's Supper? So we hope we can get to all those. We want you to join in our study tonight. You can call us at 931-381-4567 to get on the program with us. You can email us. Josh will be watching the email inbox throughout the program. And also we have a live chat window open. 
if you're watching us on our on our page, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, right beside the video window is a chat room window. A lot of people, and I like to do this. I like to. You can, if, if you look at how to do it, you can pop that chat room out so it make it bigger, and you can make it bigger and maybe the picture a little smaller so you don't have to see our ugly mugs. But uh, uh, get get in the chat room. We like we really like participation in the chat room. Uh, give uh, tell us who you are. Uh, give yourself a name, your real name or a pen name. Also, tell us where you're listening from. We'd love to know more about you. So get involved in the, in the program tonight. We think our program is always better when we have listener participation. Okay, so I thought, and, and we've done this before. We've had, we've had programs in this regard, Josh, talking about how to, to observe the Lord's Supper properly. What are the essential elements in a proper observance Methodology. We're talking about methodology here, first of all. What are some of the necessary things that we have to have? I would argue that most people, the very first thing they're going to put on their list, you've got to have proper elements. You know, I don't know if you, I don't know what you put on your list first, but you got to have, you got it's got to be the fruit of the vine and, yeah. and the unleavened bread. Well, I put it's a command, <laughs> not optional, but then yeah. right after that, yeah, the, the elements that yeah. we partake. Yeah. Uh, I used to use as an illustration when I was studying with people about doing Bible things in Bible ways. I used to I used to always use an illustration. Say, you know, you wouldn't substitute Coca Cola and pizza for the Lord's Supper. And I used to always get everybody to say, Oh no, no, you can't mess with that. You've got to use the right element. But people have gotten so religiously liberal in our day that there's some people that I wouldn't have a problem with that. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> that just tells you how religious times yeah. have changed. Well, I mean, the elements serve a purpose. I mean, yeah. it's not just, you know, that that Jesus thought, you know, my preference would be um, unleavened bread and, and fruit of the vine. But your preference may be milk and cookies. Whatever you want yeah. is good for you. And I mean, that's, there, the, way, that's the way yeah. a lot of people are reasoning these days. Yeah. And it's crazy because in this regard. We have the exact information about what Jesus specified when he instituted the Lord's Supper. Matthew 26, beginning verse 26, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and, and gave it to them, saying, drink ye all of it, for this is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So, you know. We, we know what Jesus did. We know, by the way, we know that would have been unleavened bread because this was the Passover time. Right. And, and all Jews, all faithful Jews, and Jesus certainly was that, would have, have been rid of leavening agents uh, during, during that time period. Uh, so we, we know what Jesus used. Uh, Paul repeated it, 1 Corinthians 11, beginning verse 23. He says, For I have received the Lord that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. So, you know, again, we might have some terribly religiously liberal people who would say, ah, well, that's not important. But, you know, I still think the vast majority of people are going to say, um, man, you got you got the right elements. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think so, too. Absolutely essential. Something that we might. Uh, uh, so so moving away from that, which almost everybody agrees to. What do you what do you got on your list of some other essentials? Well, the other essential I've got is that uh, in First Corinthians 11, Paul was instructing the church. And he made it clear uh, that the Lord's Supper was to be eaten in the, when the members of the church are assembled together. Uh, and verse 17, really beginning, he, he talks about them coming together. And he was, you know, at this point, he's still getting on to them. You're, you're coming together, not for the better, for the worse. In verse 18, 1 Corinthians 11, he says, when you come together in the church, he, he's still. So he's talking about when they're coming together. And as it goes on down through there, he's pointing out some things that they're doing wrong. Um, but the Lord's Supper is, suppo is supposed to be taken whenever they come together. And yeah. so one of the essential elements that I put on my list is that the Lord's Supper should be taken when the church assembles in together. In the assembly in of the, assembly. the saints. I think you're exactly right. You know, we we kind of fought that battle uh, during the, the COVID pandemic because a lot of people were 
observing the Lord's Supper remotely. You know, maybe they were watching a video stream on the Internet, but at at a given time, maybe a a person by themselves or maybe a a man and wife or a family at home. But they weren't in the assembly. They were watching a a video stream, which is not an assembly, by the way. Uh, And and so we we really fought that battle. We had several programs on the virtual Bible study. And if, if you're interested in some of the discussion we had along that line, you can go back and listen to those. But I agree with you wholeheartedly, Josh, that one of the essential requirements of a proper observance of the Lord's Supper uh, is in the assembly of the church. Now, I think you've got the right text there because it, it's 1 Corinthians 11. About halfway through 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul begins to talk. He, he talks about abuses mm-hmm. of the, that the, that were, the Corinthian church was guilty of, including abuses of the Lord's Supper. But starting about halfway through chapter 11, really all the way through chapter 14, he talks about things they were doing in their assembly. But as you said, 1 Corinthians 11, 18, when you come together in the church, uh, verse 20, when you come together, uh, verse 34, come come not together unto condemnation. In other words, come together and do it right. But I really believe that context runs all the way through chapter 14. And in chapter 14, verse 23, he says, if therefore the whole church be come together in one place. So uh, I I agree with you absolutely that uh, in the assembly of the saints is necessary. And and while we're talking about that, Josh, uh, so me and my family and some of the grandkids, we're going to Disney World. Uh, this, don't, is, don't do <laughs> this is hypothetical. Okay. I can't afford Disney okay. World. Right. <laughs> uh, so we're going to Disney World, and uh, we've got like a five-day pass, and one of those days is Sunday. And we want to take – I mean, it's ex, it's an expensive vacation, and we're wanting to take max advantage of our tickets to yeah. Disney World. So we're packing our bags to go, and we're going to pack a little bottle of grape juice and a few crackers. And we're going to get up a, a little bit early on Sunday morning, and we're going to have a little service. But primarily what we're going to do is we're going to drink that grape juice yeah. and eat those crackers. And, and then we're going off to Disney World. Uh, but we want to observe the Lord's Supper, and we think we can because uh, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, uh, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And so we think that makes it okay for us to do this little hotel observance of the of the of the Lord's Supper, because Jesus yeah. said, "If two or three are gathered together in His name, He's there in the midst of them." Right. It's interesting. <laughs> Jesus wasn't talking about partaking of the Lord's Supper when He said, "We're two or three gathered in My name." That context doesn't have anything right. to do with. Actually, the context of that that's that's uh, Matthew eighteen verse twenty, but if you back up to the verses leading up to that statement. Beginning at verse 15, he's talking about restoring an erring brother and the actions that would be taken first by an individual, then by two or three individuals, yeah. and finally by the whole church. Right. And he says, in, in that regard, what when when you come together in this disciplinary process, I'm with you in that. Yeah. He wasn't talking about worship at all. That's right. But did you notice there's a difference between two or three individuals and the church. Right. In Matthew 18, beginning at verse 15, anybody that has a different opinion of that needs to answer that question. Jesus specified a difference between two or three and the whole church. Two or three doesn't constitute the church. That's right. Yeah, you know what's interesting? I was thinking about that question. Paul did a lot of traveling, you know, on his his, um, journeys that he took, so-called missionary journeys that Paul took. There's a lot of times where he would be in a lot of different places, uh, there's never an example given where Paul said, you know, I'm going to be on a boat or whatever this Sunday, and I'm not going to be able to go and meet to the ne- with the next group, so I'll just privately take my Lord's Supper. We don't we don't have that. We don't yeah. see that. Um, exactly. Paul didn't do that. He he actually made provisions to go and meet uh, w- with churches as he had opportunity. And there's some people in the chat room that are mentioning that. Harold says that Paul assembled with other brethren. Acts 20 and verse 7. It, you know, and we're going to look at that text in yeah. a minute, but... It almost looks like he purposefully tarried there. That's right. In order to be able to be with them on the first day of the week and take the Lord's Supper. Yeah. 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 So provisions were made in order to meet with 
the saints, even at a different locality, in order to partake of the Lord's Supper and worship yeah. with them. Yeah. All right. So we talked about it's it's got to be the right elements, and it's got to be done in the assembly. There's at least one more thing that we want to hit, but we're going to grab a break real quick. Stay with us. We're going to keep talking about the Lord's Supper, the proper thoughts and actions as we continue the, the virtual Bible study after these brief messages. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. Here's a quick thought. God comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 4. Our God is the God of mercies, the God of comfort, who will comfort us from all our tribulation. The Apostle Paul tells us that God does this so that we're able to comfort others. Words of comfort from our God. Seize the day. Here's some quotes worth pondering. It's so hard when I have to and so easy when I want to. Heed the advice of him who loves you, though you like it not at present. Everyone who got where he is had to begin where he was. Man, wish I'd said that. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. We're continuing our discussion about the Lord's Supper. Josh, I want you to get to some of those chat room comments. But before we get to all of those, I think another big absolute necessity uh, as to our outward observance of the Lord's Supper, it's got to be on the first day of the week. You know, Jesus told us what to do, but he didn't tell us when to do it. And, and, And in order to get that bit of information, we have to go to the apostolic example set by Paul and the church at Corinth. Or excuse me. Paul and the church at Troas, Acts chapter 20, verse 7. Upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech till midnight. So the disciples had come together for this purpose. And by the way, that expression, break bread, is a reference to the Lord's Supper. Uh, we see that in Acts 2 uh, in the early church, and we see it in other places as well. That, that's the, the breaking of the bread in the Lord's Supper. The church came together on the first day of the week. And and Paul preached on that occasion, but it was the first day of the week. That's the only place, by the way, in the, all of the New Testament that tells us when to observe the Lord's Supper. And I've heard people say, well, it only mentions it once. Well, how many times does it have to mention it? Yeah. That's a fair point. Once is enough, right? And then the other thing in conjunction with that that we would argue is it must be done on the first day of the week. It must be done on the first day of every week because... In that statement in Acts 20, verse 7, it doesn't specify that it was a a unique or particular Lord's Day. It just says it was a Lord's Day. It doesn't say it was the first Lord's Day of the month, first Lord's Day of the quarter, the first Lord's Day after the spring equinox. It doesn't mention (laughs) anything like that. Uh, And so our conclusion would be the same that the Israelites had in regards to observing the Sabbath day, Exodus 20, verse 8. The, the Israelites were told, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's the fourth of the yeah. Ten Commandments. What did they do every week, yeah. every yeah. time? Which one? Because it didn't say the first Sabbath day of the month or the first yeah. Sabbath day of the, of the quarter. They understood by a logical deduction that if you're to remember the Sabbath day, you remember it every time it comes around. Right. Same thing with Lord's Supper. Right. I agree. All right, what we got in the chat room? All here? right, we got a lot. I'll try to get us caught up here. So Dwight and Michelle, they said uh, unleavened bread, fruit of the vine are essential. Uh, the examples given in the Bible are that they prayed before the partaking. Uh, the group needs to be assembled on the first day of the week. Uh, I mentioned Harold said Paul assembled with other brethren, Acts 20, verse 7, and he says they were gathered together in verse 8. Jeff says being assembled is why I've always disagreed with those who during the evening services... Uh, they'll take those who didn't have a chance to partake into another room to partake while the rest of the assembly wraps up their services. Yeah, I don't like that either, Jeff. That's I agree odd. with you on that. Yeah. And Brian in California says, speaking of praying before the Lord's Supper, I remember as a young teenager, a sermon about why it wasn't necessary to ask for the Father to bless the bread and the fruit of the vine since the Lord did so when he instituted it. I'm not dogmatic on it. Yes, I do seem, I, I do deem Jesus' blessing as once for all, but do not consider it improper to ask God's blessing as the assembly is about to partake. Huh. I had never heard anybody make that point, Brian, that Jesus did it once for all time. That, that, that's, a, that's a new thought to me. He certainly prayed before he distributed the mm-hmm. Lord's Supper. 
And I've always considered that, that to be the example we imitate. Right. Uh, that that we that we bless or give thanks for the elements before they are distributed. Uh, and, and Acts 26 again, verse 26. As they were reading, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them. Yeah. And so instead of instead of focusing on the fact that he did it and that wouldn't be necessary to ever do it again, uh, I guess I've always focused on the idea that I want to do I want to do it the way he did it. Yeah. And that's and that's what we that we pray in conjunction with the observance right. of each part of the supper. Right. Okay. Got anything else? Yeah. Harold said, what about First Corinthians 10 and verse 16? Uh, and that says the cup of blessing which we bless is it not the communion of the blood of Christ the bread which we break is it not the communion of the body of Christ and so there in talking the about communion of the body yeah, coming together in yeah, the body being I together so I think that's a good tie in I think that's right Harold I think you're right alright good points in the chat room uh, I got an email here from Kent in Georgia Kent says the elements that are authorized and required are unleavened bread and fruit of the vine juice of the grape and he references Matthew 26, 26 and, uh, through 28, 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 8. The day in which the Lord's Supper is to be served, the church is to assemble every first day of the week, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 3. By example, the first century New Testament church in this assembly uh, observed the Lord's Supper, Acts 20, verse 7 through 11. The New Testament does not authorize observance on any other day. And I think that's a point to be stressed. Okay, we're going to do this week, Josh, we're going to have the Lord's Supper on Sunday, but it's it's just kind of a special time of year. You know, in a month or so, we'll be coming up on the Thanksgiving holiday. We'll be meeting Wednesday night right before Thanksgiving Thursday, and it's just a special time. And so we're going to break out the Lord uh, and, and have, have a, a communion service on that Wednesday night, too. Why not? It's special. Yeah. yeah. Well, no authority for it's that. Not authorized. Yeah. Exactly right. Exactly. Right. Uh, Kent goes on to say the same instruction was given by all of the apostles to all of the churches. First Corinthians four verse seventeen, seven verse seventeen, fourteen verse thirty-seven, Second Thessalonians two verse fifteen. As we look at the New Testament practice of observing the Lord's Supper, thanks was always offered for the elements which the Christians partook. Uh, so, uh, you know, and and, and, and that, I think that goes to maybe what what Brian was saying. And, and I might emphasize there, uh, as well that, that Jesus or, uh, Paul, uh, when he reaffirmed what Jesus had instructed them to do, he made mention in first Corinthians eleven twenty three and following when he had given thanks, he break the bread after the same manner. He took the cup when he had supped saying this is the new Testament, my blood drink. Y'all. So, uh, Paul makes reference there in First Corinthians 11 to the giving of thanks too. I, I, I I'm gonna, I'm gonna sort of have to side with Dwight on that. I think that 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 seems to be a, a specified part of the observance of the Lord's Supper. Yeah. Well, we got two more questions in the chat room, and they're both about the same thing. Uh, Davis said, "How about multiple worship services on the first day of the week?" And Grant and Janie said, "What about offering the Lord's Supper in more than one assembly on the Lord's Day? By what authority do we do this?" Well. I, I kind of am not surprised that that question would come up. And it has caused trouble in churches, the, the, the Sunday night observance of the Lord's Supper. Uh, we had a Bible study about that years ago. We had one brother here who was uh, concerned, possibly objecting to having the Lord's Supper offered on Sunday night. Uh, and so we, had, we, we, we got every concerned person together and we had a Bible study. And the way I approached that was I just got up at the whiteboard with a marker. And I said, okay, everybody start naming things that are necessary for the Lord's Supper to be observed scripturally. And so we did the same thing we've been doing tonight. Got to be the right elements, bread and fruit of the vine. It's got to be on the first day of the week. It's got to be every first day of the week. It's got to be in the assembly. Uh, you know, and I just put down everything that, that they mentioned. I, 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 I didn't even qualify it. I didn't, I didn't. I didn't even comment whether I agreed or disagreed. So we, we got a list written on the board there and, and said, okay, okay, now, something that's not on the board, can we add to this that in order for it to be a scriptural observance of the Lord's Supper, every Christian present must partake? Oh. 
Well, I don't know. So uh, then I posed this dilemma to them. I I usually sit up close to the front since I got to get up and preach. And so we usually sit in second, third pew. We're usually one of the first ones served with the Lord's Supper. But then as, as it works its way back through the assembly, there's some brother on the back row back there. And he's he's in a deep depressed mood. He doesn't think he's been a very good person this week. And you know, some I've heard people say, I just don't feel worthy to take the Lord's Supper. So he's a Christian, but he doesn't observe because he's got this he's got yeah. this issue going on in in his personal life. I didn't even know he didn't partake. He's messed it up for you now. Now he's messed me up because here's a Christian in the assembly who didn't take the Lord's Supper. Does that make that whole observance of the Lord's Supper unscriptural? Because not every Christian present partook of the supper at the same time my answer that's no now take that to sunday night why wouldn't the same principle apply sunday night we've got some who do and some who don't but with sunday morning we probably had some who do and some who don't the 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 percentage numbers would be skewed right but the but the but the the reality would be the same sunday morning there were some christians who partook and that knothead in the back row didn't, uh, but that didn't that didn't disallow our observance, right? So what if Sunday night there's a, a, a far fewer who partake and others don't, but it's still in the assembly, it's mm-hmm. still on the first, on the first day of the week, it's week. still the right elements, yeah. And I think that answers the question. Now, my druthers would be that we didn't have the Sunday night observance. Because we didn't need it. Yeah, because everybody was there Sunday morning. Because everybody everybody was there. Yeah, uh, but by virtue of appointing a time a, to observe the Lord's Supper, it's there's a high, especially in a congregation of any size whatsoever. There's a high probability that you're going to exclude somebody because you chose to do it at ten o'clock Sunday morning. Yeah. And and this person is at home with a sick relative at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. They could be there right. at six o'clock Sunday night, but they couldn't be there at 10 o'clock Sunday morning. When you when you pick a time, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. When you pick a time, you you probably are going to exclude somebody from observing the Lord's Supper because you chose that time of day. Right. Uh, and so again, I think I I'd rather that we that we didn't even have to talk about it, but I think I can justify it based upon Bible authority. Yeah. 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 I mean, so the things that we've said that the Bible mentions, to your point, are essential things we have to have. We're not violating those. If we are violating those, we shouldn't do it. But if we're not violating those, we're still acting within authority that's been given. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, what else? Oh, uh, where are we on time? <laughs> I lost track of time. You got a couple minutes. Real quickly, I asked the question, and you, I think I confused you about this question, Joe. <laughs> what are some outward things that would be considered incidental in the observance of the Lord's Supper? Yeah. What I had in mind there is there's some judgments to be employed in observance of the Lord's Supper. It's got to be on the first day of the week, but when? Right. what time on the yeah. first day of the week? Well, yeah. I, I eat supper in the evening. So, yeah. said, so well, we could do it. We yeah, could we do, do it in the evening. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what, what time of day would we do the Lord's yeah. Supper? Uh, I think how many cups we use to distribute the fruit of the vine is as an expedient or judgment mm-hmm. matter. And by the way, I, I want to give a little uh, uh, plug maybe a little tease uh, to our Sunday night sermon. It'll be on the live stream, Kyle. Uh, I've got a sermon prepared talking about the one cup. You know, we got some brethren who believe everybody has to drink out of the same cup. In fact, there's a new congregation beginning to meet right here in our county that observes the one cup. They, uh, and so I thought it'd be good for us to study that, make sure we know where we're at on that question. And so if you have, uh, we're not going to talk about that tonight, but if you want to, if you want to get a little uh, study of the one cup question, I encourage you to either tune in live to our live stream Sunday night at six o'clock here at college view, or go to our archives later. If you're tied up maybe in your own worship services at that time of day, uh, it'll be it'll be in the archives, Kyle uh, College U live stream. Yeah, yeah. All right, it'll be there. All right. So that that's what I had in mind about some outward. There, there are some judgments to be employed. Yeah. Uh, we, there's certain things we have to do in order to do right. right. There's there's other things that are left in the realm of judgment. But we, you know, we could we could have the Lord's Supper at 3 a.m. on Sunday morning. We could. 
bad Sunday. judgment. Yeah, the bad judgment. Bad judgment. <laughs> uh, so we want to use, use appropriate and, yeah. and reasonably good judgment in, in those right. kind of things. Right. Order of service. How uh, many men pass out? Right. Uh, you know, so we're going to do it first before the sermon. We're going to do it right. after the sermon. How many men are we going to use to pass out the elements yeah. to the assembled congregation? Uh, you know, a couple of Sundays ago, I was in Kansas out there worshiping uh, as I was traveling, and they, they spaced their rows out far enough so the men serving could walk in, in, up and down each row, and there was enough room for them to walk there. You know, we we passed the trays here at College View. Yeah, yeah. That's a it's a it's a dental. That's a that's a way that's that we a, deem best in order to get it done. Exactly right. Exactly right. Okay. Uh, well, real quickly, I was going to read what Kent said about that. He had an email response to that. Uh, he said. The outward incidentals, the specific hour of the first day of the week when the church is to assemble, the kind of unleavened bread to be used. It may be either purchased or freshly baked. The kind of fruit of vine or juice of the grape to be used. It may be homemade or purchased. The exact number of plates or trays to use to serve the bread and the number of drinking vessels used in the distribution of the cup. Yeah. So I think we're on the same page there. Yeah. All right. We're going to, when we get back now, we're going to move to the other part of our study. What should we be thinking about as we partake of the Lord's Supper? Uh, and that's what that's what really got you sort of uh, uh, motivated to talk about this, Josh. So I think that's a really important part. We've got to go through the right outward uh, process or methods, but we better have our hearts right too or else. All right, we'll get to that when we come back from this break. Stay with us on the virtual Bible study. We'll be right back. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church. But you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more. There's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First... Why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study? You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study and hope to hear from you soon. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. When it comes to sports, we do it. In business, we do it. In almost every field of endeavor, we look for role models. We try to find others who've been successful, and then we imitate them. God's Word tells us to do the same thing in spiritual matters. The best role models are found right there in the Scriptures. Jesus is the ultimate example. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, we read, Hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. Other great heroes of the faith serve as good role models, too. Paul urged us to be, quote, followers of me, even as I also am of Christ, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. In another place, he wrote, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example, Philippians 3, 17. Hebrews chapter 11 is full of examples of faithful men and women who serve as worthy patterns for us to imitate. Some might complain that it is hard to fully relate to someone that we can only read about in a book. They might say, Paul was a great Christian, but we live in a different world. It's hard to imagine how Paul would deal with our situation. For these folks, let us suggest that they can also look to their own brethren. In any church, there are faithful, zealous, devoted Christians who are working hard to live for the Lord. They resist temptation, spread the word, encourage others, and generally work tirelessly to do His will. Look to them. Imitate them. We know this method works. In all sorts of endeavors, we look for winners and we copy them. Let's do the same thing when it comes to our most important endeavor, serving God. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. 
And we're back on the Virtual Bible Study. We want to remind you that the Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. We'd love for you to visit our services. Uh, if you're in the Middle Tennessee area, we're in Murray County, just, just about 45 minutes south of Nashville, Tennessee, right off of I-65. Easy to find. If you go to our website, collegeview.com, there's even a map there that will help you get to our location. But uh, if, if you can visit with us in person, we'd love for you to do that or take advantage of a lot of the teaching resources that are available on collegeview.com. Kyle is our uh, content master. Kyle, we've got a lot of live stream archives yeah. that, that are there. A lot of things, just a, a ton of studies, We've, which we haven't, uh, of course, there's not a, we haven't studied everything we can about the Bible. We're trying, we're, we're, we're trying <laughs> to get there, though. We're, we are the endeavor. We're trying. And we're once striving. once we get done, we'll start over again. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Kyle's got a lot, keeps a lot of good content on there because every week we, if everything technically is working properly, we have our, we have a live stream of our Sunday morning Bible study right now. We're studying through the Gospel of Luke. We have a Sunday morning service, sermon. We have a Sunday night sermon, and then we have our Wednesday night Bible study live streamed. And right now we're talking about famous characters from the Old Testament, the lessons we can learn from their lives. So we've got four four hours or most of four hours of, of content every week uh, that serves as a good basis of Bible study if you care to use it. So go to our website at College View, C-O-L-L-E-G-E-V-U-E on the end, College View. Uh, dot com and look for those resources and then that that's all in addition to our linked but separate page the the virtual bible study dot com and we've got archives of all of our past programs we're we're heading toward 18 full years of the of the uh, virtual bible study and in 18 years with 50 or so programs every year you can imagine that there are hundreds of programs uh, available for you to consider all kinds of Bible subjects. Get on there, do a simple search, and you might find, if you're studying a particular question, you might very well find out that we talked about it at one time or another on the virtual Bible study. All right. So, Josh, you really were interested in talking about the things we ought to be thinking about, some appropriate things to think about when we're taking the Lord's Supper and some things we shouldn't be thinking about. Yeah, I think I think it's important to consider what we should be focusing on because if you know if we just go in there and say I'm going to really think about it, then we kind of we don't have a I'm a game planner, you know, yeah. and so it helps me to think. Here's some maybe some bullet points that we can hit. These are specifics that I should be considering. Yeah. Um, so we got an email from Jacob, and I think he'll get us off to a good start here. Jacob said that Jesus, when he was instituting the Lord's Supper, said that the fruit of the vine was my blood of the New Testament. And that gives us a couple of things to think about when taking the Lord's Supper. First, we should think about the blood that was required for our salvation. And he references Hebrews 10 and verse 29, which says, Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? Uh, Secondly, he says, We should realize that the blood of the covenant represents the covenant we entered with God when we were baptized. Consider how the covenant between God and the Israelites was sealed in the Old Testament. He references Hebrews 9, verses 18 to 20, which says, Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood, for when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. When we are baptized, we enter a covenant with God. The Lord's Supper reminds us of the blood that sealed this agreement or covenant. We are to examine ourselves. He references 1 Corinthians 11, 28. This examination should include examining if we are living up to the agreement we made. I think that's interesting. I, I, that, that's, a, that's an important insight that I would have not emphasized, but I think it's really important. So we're remembering the blood. We remember what the blood did. It was the atoning sacrifice for our sins. The shedding of blood was God is it's always been necessary in order for sin yeah. to be dealt with. Blood has to be right. Shed without and, shedding and, blood, there's no remission. Uh, yeah, and uh, what is that? Hebrews uh, ten. ten verse eight. Yeah, look, I'll look it up. <laughs> but but God has always always required blood for sin, and so when we think about the blood of Jesus, we have to think that it's that it was shed for our sins and uh, shed in order to, as Jacob said, sanctify or dedicate 
the covenant that, that God has with us uh, in this New Testament era. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's really important. So when I'm, when I'm taking the Lord's Supper, I try to think about, uh, I'm talking about the blood. Let's talk about the blood now. We'll talk about the bread in a minute. But when we think about the blood, I try to think about in that process of Jesus dying, where was blood shed? Where, where was the blood? You know, what, so I'm remembering his blood. He sweated blood in the mm-hmm. garden in such agony of anticipation. Uh, when they took him uh, and, and the Roman soldiers scourged him. And, you know, you know, if you want to get really graphic, you can paint just a horrendous picture of the torture that Jesus was uh, uh, exposed to. Uh, from the Roman scourge, uh, just tearing the flesh off his back, you know, uh, probably deep arterial bleeding resulting from that blood, just flying everywhere, blood and flesh, just Jesus back was turned into a ribbon, a bloody uh, open. Yeah. He was beaten nearly to death. He, you know, uh, medical experts who've analyzed his treatment said that if it had stopped right there, he may very well have gone on to die just from the, from the, impacts of that scourging lots of blood loss then they crammed a, a crown of thorns into his scalp and beat beat it into his scalp more blood took him to calvary nailed him to the cross which is the part of that that i my mind just can't hardly even begin to fathom having nails driven through your hands and your feet and then your whole body suspended on the cross the weight of your whole body hanging on those nails but again more blood loss then when he had died, the Roman soldier in attendance pierced his side with a spear and it says forthwith came out blood and water. Most medical experts think that when that spear thrust into his side, it ruptured his pericardium, the, the, the heart and a sack of fluids that are around the heart. And that, that would probably at that point, because Jesus had had such massive blood loss leading up to that point, that that may well have been the only place in the body that where there would have been enough blood to show a visible flow. Yeah. But then that blood spilling out on the ground, I think so symbolic, the precious blood of Jesus spilled out on the ground of Calvary uh, to serve as uh, uh, atonement for our sins. And so when I'm taking the Lord's Supper very often, that's what I concentrate on. We're remembering his blood. Jacob has a good point. Remember what his blood accomplished but actually remember the blood, you know, yeah. where it was shed, how much was shed, all of it. You know, I I am willing to say all of Jesus' blood was shed for our sins. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't a cut on the finger. That's right, yeah. It was, he, he bled out. Yeah, he willingly went through all that. But I us. think we would, medically, we would use that expression, he he bled out. Yeah. He, he, he bled out all of his blood. Right. Yeah, so, and Jacob, Jacob's second point is good, too. I mean, remember our commitment. Yeah. Our commitment that we made. Uh, when we were when we were baptized into Christ, we took advantage of that sacrifice, and we committed to God that we were going to live for Him from here on out. Uh, Jesus gave up everything for us. We committed to give up our lives for Him. How are we doing in that commitment? I, th- I think that's a really good point. I, I really I really try to focus on that when taking the Lord's Supper. You know, how am so I doing? The blood of the covenant. This yeah. is a weird and a yeah, we made an agreement an, with we God. We are in an agreement with God. You know, if you and I make an agreement, Josh, and then you break the agreement, yeah. I'm probably going to be pretty mad at you. <laughs> yeah, as you should be. But if I make an agreement with God and I break it, I don't think God would be angry yeah, with me. Yeah, God's going to be disappointed for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I like that point very much. But in regards to the to the fruit of the vine, we're remembering His blood. That's what. Yeah. And then the other. Let's quickly before we take our last break, let's talk about the bread. When we partake of the bread, we're remembering His body. As Jesus said, "This is my body." When he talked about the bread, he said, this is my blood. When he talked about the fruit of the vine. So we remember the body of Jesus. Jesus and I think the thing that I try to focus on here is the voluntary sacrifice Jesus made. Jesus said in John 10, he said, you can't take my life from me, but I can lay it down. And if I lay it down, I can take it up again. Jesus voluntarily surrendered his body to be tortured to death. He could, there are all kinds of ways he could have avoided it. If he was just a man and not the divine son of God, he could have just run away. Mm-hmm. He could have personally fought or called upon his disciples to fight. There were many who were ready to do so. But he was the divine son of God. And he said he could call down legions of angels to defend him if he wanted to. He didn't. 
he he still was in possession of his miracle working powers. You know, when Peter cut off the high priest, Malchus's, the high priest servant, Malchus by name, when Peter cut off his ear, Jesus reached and restored it, demonstrating that he was still in full possession yeah. of his miraculous powers. He could have used them to get out of this. He could have just struck them all down if they tried to approach him. And he didn't do any of that. He He, yeah. he didn't do any of that. He allowed himself to be taken. Jesus said, greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did. He laid, he voluntarily laid down at any point in that process. Jesus could say, well, I'm uh, wait a minute. Now that's enough. That that is just absolutely enough. I'm not going through with this. That's enough. But he never did. They spit on him. They slapped him. They taunted him. They humiliated him. They lied about him so they could condemn him to death. But in fulfillment of prophecy, like a sheep is dumb before it shares, so opened he not his mouth. He didn't even make a verbal defense. He didn't even try to defend himself verbally. And he, he, he perfectly could have because he was a totally innocent individual. But he didn't even offer words in defense. He allowed himself. He laid down his life. He surrendered his body to, to go into that torturous death. Right. And, and so when, we, when we're thinking about the bread, which is his body, I think those are the kind of things we need to think about. Yeah, and and we talked about the elements and what they mean, and there's meaning behind the unleavened bread, his sinless body that he offered. He had lived a sinless life, which made him the perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God. And so he, you know, he he had done everything in order to be the perfect sacrifice for us, and he died the death that that should have been ours. That's what we deserve to have to go through. But uh, you know, he he died for us so that we could live spiritually. Real quickly, Kent in Georgia says the totality of New Testament teaching indicates that Christians must be concentrating on the death and suffering of Jesus. The Lord's Supper is, comm- is a commemoration, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six and following. Such is a proclamation, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26. Such is a time of self-examination, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight through 32. Such is a communion, 1 Corinthians 10, 15 through 22. Any thoughts not pertaining to the death and suffering of Christ... Our commemoration of such, our proclamation of such, and our self-examination would not be authorized and therefore sinful. You know how important this is, uh, is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27. Whosoever shall eat this bread and drink of this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. I think right there Paul is saying if you're not concentrating on it, mentally focusing on what you're doing here, that, that's how you partake unworthily. Yeah. You know, some, I've heard Christians misquote that. And, and, and some Christians say, oh, I'm not going to take the Lord's Supper. I'm not worthy. Uh, well, none of us are worthy. The fact yeah. of the matter is none yeah. of us are worthy of what Jesus did in sacrificing himself for. But that's not the word there. It's not, it's not worthy. It's worthily. Right. Whosoever taketh unworthily. And, and, and Paul tells what it means to partake unworthily. Not uh, 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 examining yourself. Not uh, uh, focusing on what we're doing that's how you take on worthy yeah if we yeah if we're not contemplating the seriousness of what we're doing then judgment will come to us because of that that's yeah. that's that's a pretty scary thing to consider we better make sure we're trying we're taking it right we're thinking yeah. about the right things yeah all right we may have some chat room comments we're going to get to those and, we, and we're going to go to the top of the hour as we continue to talk about things we should be thinking about things we should not be thinking about as we take the lord's supper stay with us we'll be right back Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great, I'll see you there. Then pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd. But don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. You just might find it is easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College of Church of Christ. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. In a recent survey, only 12% of respondents claimed they read the Bible at least once a month. Levels are similar across all age groups until we get to the 65-plus age group 
where the numbers accessing the Bible at least once a month rises to 19%. Men are more likely to never read the Bible, 73%, than women, 62%. That information is via christianresearch.org. The Word of God says in Hosea 4, verse 6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And we're back on the Virtual Bible Study talking about things we should think about, things we should not think about. Josh, what what, what are some things we should not think about while we're taking the Lord's Supper? Yeah, there's a long list of those. You know, what's for lunch? I put down the to-do list at home. I hope the preacher... It uh, goes fast, and I hope the guy who's doing the Lord's Supper doesn't talk a whole bunch because yeah. if if it if it drags out, we we uh, the crowd will get to the restaurant before That's we right. do. We can't have that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and I'm thinking about myself. Sometimes when you're leading the Lord's Supper, sometimes you know the temptation is, did I even make sense what I said? You know, and, and I'm caught up thinking about how I presented the thoughts that I wanted to present meant to fo- help people focus yeah. and i'm and i'm thinking about what i just said did that even make sense did i do a good job of that or do i have the closing prayer or do, yeah. you know i mean so we can be thinking about things pertaining to the service that are not necessarily obviously yeah. any bad thought any evil or right. sinful, sinful thoughts we shouldn't be <laughs> we shouldn't ever think yeah. of that but, but even things that aren't yeah. it's inappropriate to be thinking about during that time yeah we're going to be thinking about jesus's death yeah exactly right uh we got anything in the chat room there yeah, we got we got a whole lot in the chat room. Let me see here. Um, won't be able to get to all of them, but I know that, let's see, Dwight mentioned up here uh, that things need to be done decently and in order. As as to our methodologies, I think right. exactly right. And, that, and that's that's appropriate. Um, Brian in California here, he, he mentioned that uh, he remembers when a song leader began a song during the observance of the Lord's Supper. Well, now, stop there for a minute. You know, to me, that'd be distracting. Very. And and so I, I certainly wouldn't want to be guilty of distracting myself or others when it comes to remembering yeah. Jesus. We're supposed to do this in remembrance of him. We're supposed to be focusing right. and concentrating on remembering Jesus. And I, I wouldn't want to. I would think that'd be a distracting thing. Yeah, there's a whole lot that goes into that. So yeah. we, we we often uh, sing a song about the Lord's you know death and suffering before we take the Lord's Supper, and I, I think that's fitting. But if you're trying to sing a song while everybody's partaking, first off, you're not going to be able to sing and partake at the same time. So you're going to have maybe half of a singing, part of a singing, and others partaking. And then you're supposed to be thinking about what you're doing. And how can I do that when I'm song. thinking about hitting the notes and, and yeah. the words in the song? That, that'd be pretty tough. Um, okay, go ahead. What else we got there? Let's see. Um, there's several comments about um, taking the Lord's Supper. I think about his suffering, hanging on the cross, realizing Jesus was innocent doing this. Um Harold says in the PM service, are we coming together to partake of the Lord's Supper or are we coming together for others to partake? I'm going to say we are coming together. One of the purposes of us coming together is so that the Lord's Supper can be observed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say that. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I, I think I could say that without contradiction. I think so. Yeah. Um, we're remembering Jesus's death. It's very important to dwell on. Uh, Dwight Michelle mentioned we shouldn't be playing with our children, teach them to sit quietly. Uh, we're trying to remember Jesus and examine ourselves. How can we do this and be playing with our children? I think that's, I mean, I think that's a fair point. I mean, kids may not be quiet, but we're teaching them to be quiet. Yeah. You know, if we're, if we're playing a game or something, I'm, my mind's not where it should be. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you got to sympathize with young mothers and young dads for yeah. that matter. And if you've got a crying baby or uh, a misbehaving child, it's going to make it harder for you right. to concentrate. We understand right. that. I think the Lord understands that, but you got to really try hard. Our that, goal that, 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 was to teach them to sit quietly yeah, and behave, yeah. yeah. Um, Dwight Michelle said, I've always thought to keep it simple and to the point to help people not stray with their thoughts. And I think that I think that's good, too. I mean, we're, uh, we're, we're focusing on Jesus and, and his death, his sacrificial death. All right. So before we run out of time, Josh, let's go to this last question. The last question we ask is, what is the Lord's Supper designed to memorialize? Now, we talked about this some already. Jacob mentioned it in his email. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, we're remembering his death. We're remembering what was accomplished in his death, uh, the, 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 the atoning sacrifice for our sins, the establishment of a covenant, that we can be in a covenant relationship with God, that covenant sealed with his blood. But what about this expression? And I've heard all my life, I've heard men at the Lord's table as they're directing our thoughts, say, 
We're here to remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Yeah. What about that? Well, it's interesting. Without the resurrection, the death of Jesus doesn't mean very much because everybody dies. That's the right. resurrection is obviously important. And he had to be buried. He had to be buried. So he could be resurrected. And all those things. And we're thankful for the resurrection. Uh, but having said that, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, we've already read it. It says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Or yeah, a newer yeah, version say yeah. you proclaim the Lord's death till, we, yeah, till he come. Yeah. We're proclaiming his death. Yeah. Uh, that's not a time to proclaim his birth. That's not a time to proclaim his resurrection. It's a time to, the, the main focus is his death. I, I think as, there's, there's all, there are all manner of things that we want to remember about the life of Jesus. But at this particular instance... Right. We're remembering his death because that's what we're told yeah. to do. And so I would encourage the men who might be listening and who, who, who from time to time are called upon to, and we use this as our expression, officiate mm-hmm. at the Lord's table. I, I don't think that's an offensive terminology, but it, it, uh, it's just our terminology. The, 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 the man who's in charge of directing us as we engage in this process usually has some words to say to sort yeah. of, again, focus our minds, which is inappropriate. But don't say... We're here to remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We're not. Yeah. The burial and resurrection of Jesus are ultimately important to our salvation. In fact, we couldn't be saved without it. But we're here to remember the sacrificial death right. of Jesus. Yeah, we're proclaiming that we believe in the benefits of Jesus dying for us. And that's what we're proclaiming, his death and what it accomplished. Uh, Kent says, uh, as we already affirmed, the Lord's Supper is designed to remember the suffering and death of Christ. Such implies the importance of his resurrection and anticipation of his final coming. That's implied in our observance, mm-hmm. but that's not what we're observing. And I think right. Kent's right on that. All right. Got anything else? Well, I think I think we're all caught up. Okay. Very, yeah. okay. Now, the last question that we ask, does the Lord's return have any part to play in the Lord's Supper? Yeah, I think it does. I was thinking okay. about that in this uh, because, again, in that same verse, First Acts 11, yeah, or First Corinthians 11, 11 26. 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. And so we're doing this in expectation. So of, it, we're going to keep doing that's it. That's right. It, it, because we have this anticipation yeah. he's coming again. Yeah, that's what we're anticipating. We're longing for his coming. And so we're doing that now. We're, we're communing now, anticipating him coming, and then we'll be together. Uh, and and so that does play a part in this. That's what yeah. we're looking forward to. Yeah. And uh, so for almost 2,000 years, faithful Christians have been observing the Lord's Supper every first day of the week, been doing it in the methods that were that we described, the necessary proper methods, been doing it in in memory of the sacrificial death of Jesus, and with a commitment to keep doing this till he comes again because we believe he's coming again. Yeah. When he comes again, that's when the, on the judgment day, that's when the benefits will be realized, right? I mean, he, he died for us to have forgiveness of sin. We, we put our hope and trust in that. And then when he returns again, that's when we'll, we'll realize that benefit and we'll, we'll be uh, given our reward, those that are faithful. Yeah. And so that, that's, when, that's what we're looking forward to. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle, we haven't gotten any comments out of you tonight. What are your no. thoughts here? We, which it's extremely important it's it's one of it's an important element of our worship it's as important as all the other elements but it's something we had to focus on we want yeah, our mind straight in the lord's supper or mind straight during singing or the or the sort or the sermon so it's extremely important we make to make sure our mind's in the right place so it's yeah it's essential exactly, it's a good exactly, study exactly right you know I, I i would just address we just got just a minute but i would address this idea that i've heard people say the lord's supper is the most important thing that we do uh in 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 our worship on sunday i have a little bit of a problem with that yeah. uh, it's ultimately important but but to me it's sort of like asking the question on your car josh what's <laughs> more important the engine or the Tires and wheels. Well, I mean, the engine is important, but without tires, you're not going to be able to go anywhere. <laughs> it's, like, it's all, it, it's all right. necessary. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think it's a mistake to, to pinpoint the Lord's Supper as the right. single most important thing. Everything we're doing is important in conjunction with what God has instructed yeah. us to do by way of worship. The Lord's Supper is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Singing is really, really important. 
Giving is really, really important. Praying is really, really important. Studying yeah. his word is really, really important. And so I'm, I'm just adverse to, to saying that is more important than other things because yeah. I don't know that I could prove that. It's all important. I agree. It'd probably be worthy of our time to sit and think about how we ought to think and engage our minds while singing, while praying, while yeah. listening to a lesson, take yeah. heed how you hear, yeah. all those things while giving. Even giving. The yeah. Lord loves a cheerful That's giver. That's right, yeah. Second Corinthians maybe, 9 maybe giving sometimes is just kind of left on the back burner. But yeah. even that statement right. implies you've got to have the right heart in right. your giving. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I totally agree. Uh, I think important study. Thanks for suggesting it, Josh. I yeah. hope our study's been helpful to everybody listening. That wraps up our study on the virtual Bible study for this Thursday night. Lord willing, we'll be back next Thursday night for another edition of the Lord. Another, 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 as a power, another edition of the Lord. So, for, for another edition of the virtual Bible study next Thursday night, same time, same place. Lord willing, join us at that time. Until then, read and study your Bible. Live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.